Good morning, Melissa. Good morning, Kyle. How are you doing today? I am doing fabulously. (laughs) Good. I'm glad that your voice is back. Friends, earlier in the week, Melissa had a little cold and was losing her voice. So we have a voiced Melissa today, which is a vast improvement. Hooray. Yes, we're a couple days behind in recording because... Because we were waiting for her Some voice to come back. and whiteboards do not work for podcasting. <laughs> no. An, an, an audio medium does not work for visual <laughs> communication. Not, not at all. Not it at all. It does not. All right. So for this episode, we have, we're going to cover some very disparate topics today. Um, first, we're going to dive in. We're going to do a very brief but a very important update on what's happening in the uh, legal arena. There have been, I don't, you've been a little bit busy over the last two weeks writing several updates to the legislative report as Congress has been cranking out some decisions. <laughs> Congress and the courts and, and everyone. Um, and all of those are impactful to our industry. So we're going to go over those. Um, but then we're going to be following that conversation up with a special conversation between two of our friends. We have a, our GM, Joel Livingood, and a superintendent, Brian Bull, from Interlocking Country Club. Um, they're going to talk to us a little bit about their relationship, and uh, we'll dive into that a little bit more later. But that segment will be sponsored by Toro, um, a CMAA partner. So, Melissa, we will dive right in. Um, we're going to put you on the spot and tap into all of your legislative expertise here. Uh, There was a recently, I'm sure everyone has heard this at this point, there's been a new mandate from OSHA um, around the COVID-19 vaccines and testing and the workplace. Can you explain what all of this actually means? Sure, absolutely. So Um, Back in September, this idea first came out from the Biden administration that directed OSHA to create an emergency temporary standard. Um, The thing to remember about this emergency temporary standard is when it's an emergency situation like this, as they've deemed it, um, they can just go ahead and roll a rule out and make it pretty much effective immediately. So as of November 5th uh, was the enactment date of the regulation. So the rule uh, basically states that any private employer with 100 or more employees, and that's 100 or more total employees as of the date of November 5th, so that would include part-time, full-time, seasonal, and temporary employees. Um, So that that includes basically anybody but an independent contractor um, to create, you know, to to gauge are you a a qualifying employer, um, that you have to Um, look at creating either a mandatory vaccination policy for your employees or a policy that that encourages vaccination and allows for weekly testing. Um, So all of of your employees would either have to provide um, proof of vaccination, and again, it would have to be one of the the three that we're very familiar with, the three um, CDC-approved vaccinations, uh, Pfizer, Moderna, or Johnson, the one-shot Johnson & Johnson. and or that employee would have to submit weekly test results uh, to the deemed entity within your club organization. 
That sounds fairly simple. Uh, <laughs> however, right? Like it's more complicated than that, really. It it is, and 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 you know what's important to remember here is not only it it is a um, you know this is a very complex policy. Um, this is something that you're going to need to to spend time looking at. Um, just determining how it's going to work in your club. Um, the great news is we do have a full uh, webinar on this. Uh, we harnessed uh, the legal expertise of Brad Steele with private club consultants. Um, and that I encourage all of our CMA members to head to CMA University um, and check out that webinar. You'll find it under external and governmental influences. And listen, it's an hour of um, great information and, and live Q&A with members. So um, it's going to address all the questions you have about which employees does this work, how, what record keeping I need to do, um, how this policy works. But it's, it's a pretty extensive um, webinar as well as all of the materials are there, as well as sample policies from OSHA. Uh, OSHA did come out with some great compliance information when they first released the rule. So um, the rule is effective November 5th when it comes to the number of employees. Beginning December 5th, um, there are additional things that go into effect. And by January 5th is when you would actually need to start weekly testing. So really, you have about 60 days to get everything done. Um, and so, you know, there's there's a lot of layers to this. Uh, it's not a, we don't have enough time on a podcast really to go into all of the questions that you're going to get. No, certainly not. And as Melissa said, that, that webinar is available on CMA University. There will be a link to that webinar in um, Outlook that's coming out this week. Um, hopefully this podcast will actually coincide with, with when that Outlook uh, email goes out, but you can find the link there as well if that's where you go to find links for important stuff, which we recommend. So read your emails. <laughs> but in addition to this ETS being put in place by OSHA, um, there have been unsurprisingly some legal challenges brought um, in, I believe it's the Fifth Circuit. Um, so can you give us a current status update on this ETS and what these legal challenges actually mean for the rollout and implementation? Absolutely. Great question. So today is uh, Thursday, November 18th. We're recording this at 10.59 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Important so this information to note. <laughs> is current as of right this second. And uh, part of the reason we've been so busy is because this stuff has been changing literally minute by minute um, over the last couple of, uh, since the rule came out on the 4th. So to date, we have more than 30 legal challenges to the rule. Um, and they've been filed again um, across all the courts. Um, the jurisdiction here falls with the Circuit Court of Appeals. Um, and the way this works is because all of these were filed, the Circuit Court of Appeals actually does a lottery. And the lottery actually involves ping pong balls. I'm not kidding you. It's like the old fashioned lottery you used to watch on television. It's like the bingo uh, hall. They pull the numbers every day. Do they still do that? They pull the numbers? I wouldn't on, know. Okay. <laughs> um, so on the 16th, the US Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit, which is based out of Ohio, was selected by lottery to hear the consolidated case, which will challenge the regulation. Um, so ultimately, a three-judge panel will look at the first the this ruling and decide the fate. Although we probably we do expect ultimately this case will probably head towards the Supreme Court jurisdiction very shortly thereafter. Um, you know what we've already seen is that the U.S. U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit, which is based out of Louisiana, actually granted a motion to stay the 
emergency temporary uh, rule. They, they basically have said specifically, and I quote, take no steps to implement or enforce the ETS until there's a further, further court order. So OSHA has accepted this and they have um, suspended the implementation and enforcement of the rule um, at this stage. So they've officially put language on their website, um, suspending all of their activities related to implementation and enforcement, um, pending future developments in the litigation. But Congress doesn't want to be left out of this. And so we've actually already seen efforts coming out of the Republicans in the Senate and out in the House. Um, they've both introduced resolutions to reject the rule using the Congressional Review Act. Um, and it's likely the Senate's going to vote on that in early December. Um, what's interesting about this is, is in order for this to pass its simple majority, so unlike um, needing cloture vote where you would need two-thirds uh, to proceed, this would actually be just a simple majority. So the Republicans would need someone from the Democratic side with the current split to come over and vote for that. Um, and again, the House would have to vote as well for that. And again, we know anyone who's paying attention knows what the, the split in the House and Senate is right now. So the good news is right now we do have a suspension of implementation and enforcement. Um, I think ultimately it sounds like OSHA is playing it safe um, in terms of not proceeding with those things until they can get these, the litigation um, cleared up. So best advice for everybody is to Always be prepared, take a look at what you would need to do to be in preparation for this rule, go ahead and calculate your number of employees, see where you fall in that, or if you're going to hit that number of employees um, anytime if you're, if you're ramping up coming into season, um, be prepared for that, um, but otherwise stay tuned for the latest information. We'll continue to keep you updated as things change. Definitely. I was just going to follow that with a question about like what can club leaders be doing with information, which you just kind of answered. But I think to your point about um, especially clubs that are going to be going into their busy season um, in the spring and they're going to be bringing on board seasonal or part-time employees, this is really important for you to you know keep your thumb on the pulse of because if I'm correct, um, as soon as you hit that 100 employee mark, you're triggered into complying with this rule, should it be put into effect after all of these legal challenges are met, correct? So it's it's really important just to, again, as you said, be prepared. Um, prepare yourself for the contingencies. Have a plan in place if you need to implement it then and have it ready to go um, if that time comes and, and this is still going to be something that's on the books. So just be considering that as a uh, as the season kind of gets started. And this is, like you said, it's important for our clubs that are in the South right now that are experiencing their busy season, but it will be um, equally as important for our friends up North um, once spring rolls around and things get, get moving again up there. Um, Absolutely. This will be in effect. So an emergency uh, temporary uh, standard like this is in effect for six months. Um, so this would go into May of next year. So it's important to, you know, keep that in mind, depending, you know, this is not a 30 day, 30, 90, whatever. Right. And once you qualify, once you're at the threshold for 100, you don't leave it. So you, you can't, you don't go backwards and roll back. Right. So it's like you like hit that. that number and then you're there for the duration. Correct. Correct. Um, so yeah, just definitely be keeping an eye on your numbers and, and have a plan in place um, should that should that come around again. All right. So that's, that's that on our OSHA conversation. But Congress has been kind of busy doing some other stuff too right now, Melissa. And I know that OSHA, though it has been the bane of your existence for the last couple of weeks, it's not the only thing you've been working on. Do you want to give us an update on what else is going on in the realm of the legislative world? 
Sure. Our listeners are probably aware that Congress passed a massive infrastructure uh, package in the last week, and, and the president has signed that into law. And what was included in the Invest in America Act is ultimately an a, um, early end for the employee retention tax credit. Um, so this was created back in 2020 as part of the CARES Act, if everybody remembers, and it is a fully refundable payroll tax credit. And at right now, it's worth up to $7,000 per, $7, per employee per quarter for 2021, and that number has changed and been enhanced over time. Um, but what they've done is they've actually ended it as of the third quarter, so it, um, they're retroactively ending it September 30th of 2021. Um, you ask why did they, you know, why would they end this early? Part of that, as you all know, the, the estimates for this, this bill are pretty significant and the, and the other infrastructure stuff, which, um, you know, is outside of our industry. But um, basically, according to the estimates, this would save about $8.2 billion by ending it early. So we know a lot of clubs have been relying on this. Um, and so you definitely need to uh, check with your payroll provider and check with your tax advisor to make sure that you're aware um, and adhering to the, the new regulation, which unfortunately means that um, this tax credit is going away three months early. It would have ended December 31 if this bill had not been passed. Yeah, you could take your qualms with that up with the Congressional Budget Review Office <laughs> when they were grading <laughs> these bills. Right. Um, money is a challenge. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, Kyle, there's a lot going on. Um, so I encourage uh, everybody to check out the legislative report. We've had two special editions go out lately. The DOL has new, um, has finalized their tip credit rules and they, the 80-20 rule is out the window. So please uh, please take time to review all of these things um, and stay tuned for additional advocacy-related webinars that'll be Abs coming up. Absolutely. It's going to be a busy, uh, busy next couple of months as we head into the end of the year. And the rumblings in the D.C. area are that Congress won't be leaving for the Thanksgiving holiday, so they'll, they'll be working, at least the House anyways. I don't, I don't yeah. know what the Senate will be doing, but the House isn't yeah. going anywhere. They've got, they got a lot on their plate, and they're going to be taking care of several things, hopefully, before the end of the year. So please, please stay tuned to what's going on. And uh, Melissa, I'll say I'll help, but mostly it's Melissa's brain doing all of this work. We'll do her level best to keep everyone informed um, as to you know what what those uh, what that will all mean for our industry um, and uh, what you all need to be on the lookout for. So thank you, Melissa, for your expertise as always. I always enjoy talking about legislative and advocacy related information. So it's always a pleasure. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. This segment of the podcast has been brought to you by Toro, a CMA business partner. What matters most to you matters most to us. It's more than equipment. It's an investment in your golf course, in member satisfaction, and in peace of mind. At Toro, we're passionate about delivering the most innovative products in the business to help you navigate through labor challenges, regulatory pressures, and escalating operating expenses, which is why you can always count on Toro for dependable equipment backed by the very best local distributor support so you can provide the outstanding experience your members expect. Because what matters most to you matters most to us. Learn more at Toro.com. We are very excited today to bring together um, Interlocking Country Club's 
golf course superintendent and general manager to talk a little bit about the relationship of the GM and the superintendent and tell us some great things that have been going on at their club. So first off, we have Brian Bull. Brian, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how long you've been at the club? Yeah, sounds great. My name is Brian Bull. Um, my capacity is superintendent. My title is director of golf course and grounds here at Interlocking Country Club. Um, I've worked at golf courses for the past 25 years. Um, those included courses in North Dakota, Texas, Colorado, and Minnesota. Um, back in school, I interned at Interlocking Country Club in 1999, and then I was able to return as an assistant superintendent from 2001 until 2012. Um, at that time, I had an opportunity to become the golf course superintendent at North Oaks Golf Club. Uh, it's a, a club in town here, just north of St. Paul, and that was where I had the opportunity to first work with Joel when he became the um, general manager there, and uh, worked with Joel for about three years there. He uh, took the position as general manager here at Interlocking Country Club. And then just uh, about two years ago, I had the opportunity to return to Interlocking Country Club in my current capacity. And now Joel, tell us a little bit. First, uh, thanks for having us on today. It's always uh, a nice opportunity to spend some time with, with both of you and um, share some thoughts with, uh, with CMA. Um, I've got into the club business um, early, early on as a, a caddy and uh, at a place called the Oxbow Country Club in Fargo, North Dakota. And really that's what spawned my passion for hospitality and worked in several roles there before uh, returning to their general, as their general manager uh, when I was just 22. Um, and after uh, a few years there, moved uh, to Minneapolis to the North Oaks Golf Club, um, as Brian mentioned, where we first crossed paths. Um, and then I really had the opportunity to take my uh, dream job a few years later at uh, Interlochen. And as a Midwest kid, Interlochen uh, was certainly a place that I always aspired uh, to be at and have the opportunity to lead our, our team and, and membership here has uh, certainly been a dream come true. And uh, along the way, be able to build a team uh, of people who really um, inspire the work I do every day. And Brian's been one of those people from our, our time together, uh, both of our previous places of employment and uh, now together here at, here at Interlochen. It's very cool that you've worked together in more than one location and kind of have that. I definitely, I know we see that a lot across the club space of people that have worked together, move on to other locations and end up working back together again, which I think is, is so much fun. It illustrates really how much of a family this industry is and how much the draw of this industry is for folks. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's interesting is um, I watch and reflect on how I've built teams over the course of the last um, 10 years and I always tell folks I think if you're, if you're going out in the marketplace today and you're going to hire somebody and you've never met them before they just applied for your job there's probably a 50 percent chance that they're going to be a you know good fit culturally and you're going to have a relationship with them that probably stands the test of time and there's a 75 percent chance that'll work out if you know you don't know them but somebody you maybe work with knows them and say hey this is going to be a really good fit um, and then I think it's you know it's probably a hundred percent chance it's going to work out if you've had a strong relationship in the past and understand how those individuals work. And so um, when you know, there was the opportunity to, to work with Brian, um, again, here having worked with him in the past and knowing you know, how he leads a team and approaches his work, uh, have the confidence in uh, our ability to be successful together in the future, I think is um, was, was something we couldn't pass by. And for 
frankly, just puts you light years ahead on on day one. I think about all the work that we've done here together in the past um, two years. That wouldn't have been possible if we were building that relationship from from the ground up. And so, uh, I think it is a, a unique opportunity, and we're certainly blessed to be able to do it here. Yeah, thank you, Joel. Um, I, I still remember. Uh, I don't know if you remember when you were named general manager at North Oaks Golf Club, and I reached out, and gave you a phone call. Um, so Joel's previous capacity was general manager at Oxbow Country Club up in Fargo, North Dakota. I attended school at North Dakota State University in Fargo, North Dakota. So I felt like there was some uh, tie that kind of bound uh, the two of us. And, um, you know, also, you know, I worked at a golf course in um, the Fargo moorhead area and we kind of had some shared experiences and i i really believe that you know the work ethic and determination was shared between the two of us at those clubs in north dakota as we were working through some flooding challenges um at each of our respective clubs in that area that's awesome i love i loved all those connections so you know now you guys are both at interlocking country club you know this is like a very storied club more than 100 years you know and a championship golf course so tell us what you've been working on lately i know you've been working on a lot of things so i don't know if we have i don't know if we have enough time to talk about everything you've been working on but tell us how you're working together today to kind of meet the needs of our golfing members today yeah you know interlocking uh, was established in 1909 so that makes us about 112 years uh I think internally, certainly we joke as a team, like we operate a little bit more like a startup. I think the pace at which um, change has happened here in the last um, five years um, is certainly much more akin to a new start organization than it is um, one that's been around for 100 plus years. Uh, I think that's something that, frankly, kind of our team rallies behind. Certainly, you know, folks like Brian, our golf professional assistant GM, Shaft, and CFO, and you know, folks on that leadership team, we sit around the table every uh, together every week you know we're we're, we're focused on um, the next thing and change has really been a constant for us in the last uh, in the last five years and so that's led to a lot of um, really really fun things and um, most recently our membership uh, approved a plan to invest 28 million dollars across um, our golf course and, and facilities and to think that um, you know that's something we would have been doing um, even just five years ago is um, frankly would have been would have been a stretch so um, I think our approach is is one that you know, like I said, is is less focused on where we've been the last hundred years and more focused on where we want to be the next hundred years. Um, and I think you know, there's certainly uh, lots of um, traditions and and history and things that are woven uh, in and out of that. We don't forget where we came from. We've learned a lot um, about what we where we've been in the past, um, and certainly kind of the roots of our our brand and our membership have been um, you know, formed over that the entirety of that history. But I think to have a, a group of people that is um, as focused on what's ahead, um, frankly, is, is what probably sets us apart and, and makes us a really fun place to work. So can you speak to us about the relationship between the GM and the golf course superintendent from your perspectives? Brian, we can start with you. What do you think is key to maintaining that great working relationship? Uh, I would, I mean, it gets thrown out so often, but I mean, communication and collaboration, um, I think really sets apart this environment that, um, 
and culture that we've developed here at Interlocking Country Club. Um, you know, just within Joel and I, we're, we're in constant communication from, you know, some of the even smallest of, of items if a membership approaches us with a question that, uh, you know, ultimately we think might be heading one way or the other and um, just staying in, in communication so that we're both on the same page with that. Um, the collaboration, I mean, it's these type of relationships are critical to the success of the facility. Um, we can't perform and deliver the experience that we want for a membership if all the different departments work in silos. Um, I just, I know Joel has taken great measures to encourage collaboration between the departments and, and the results are noticeable. So um, it's, I see our team. Um, yeah, we we put our, our, our a great foot forward with the golf course, but we're also here to help other departments deliver on some of the visions that they have for different events. And um, I mean, for instance, this week we're spending some time in a snow yard area where there's uh, dining igloos that members can reserve. And then um, we add our touch with uh, a lot of trees and Christmas lights and We'll actually do a Christmas light show with it as well. And it's just, um, it, it, it's fun being able to work across all these different departments, all focused on the member experience. Thank you. Yeah, Brian references how kind of cliche communication is, but I think um, if, if I look at, um, you know, the success of our organization, the success of any other organization and relationship, it's, um, when because communication is so easy, it gets lost. And so I think the only other thing I'd, I'd add is I think it starts with a lot of um, trust as well. I think a lot of that's born out of the relationship Brian and I had before we worked together um, here. But if somebody said, well, how do you guys communicate? Um, I'd say informally. Right? Like, I don't have a meeting on my calendar with our with Brian every single week, uh, but we talk multiple times a week. Right? And you know he knows that he's got my trust and support and the work that uh, he's doing and the autonomy to make good decisions, um, but he all, you know, I also know that he's going to keep me informed of the important decisions, and if he needs my input or wants my input on something, he's going to um, seek that out. And again, that doesn't mean we don't touch base every day, but I think um, really it's the, the quality of our relationship and this trust factor that allows, um, you know, both of us the ability to, to be successful, and, you know, I think to, to further its second point is, our approach here, whether you work in you know golf or food and beverage or, or finance, every element of uh, the club experience for our members and our staff is interconnected. And to have everybody on your leadership team believe in that is a lot easier said than, than done. And that's something Brian certainly brought to um, our team is just a willingness to uh, collaborate and step outside the um, you know maybe box of a traditional superintendent, right? I'm, I'm sure he looks back on his job description from when we hired him and the last line that says like other, you know, duties and tasks as assigned by the general manager's got a pretty broad, uh, pretty broad appeal here. Um, and the beauty of it is I don't assign any of them. Like he has a willingness to collaborate and be a part of those. Um, I think um, that's bared a lot of fruit uh, for our members, probably no more so than during COVID when we were constantly pivoting and doing things. This just like is the epitome of like all of the Midwestern cliches you <laughs> coming together. I love this. Um, There's something to be said about that. I think when you 
build a team. And it's not that, you know, I don't say that the vein like you don't want diversity and in, 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 in a team and in thought, like you absolutely do. You need that. And it's critical. But I think to have some common threads of uh, work ethic and belief systems and just values in the workplace. And I think about, you know, our, our team, I mean, our, our head golf professional was born and raised in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. Uh, our assistant general manager grew up on a farm in Albert Lee, Minnesota. Um, you know, our CFO grew up in West St. Paul. Um, you know, our, our chef grew up in the, I mean, it, it, we're, we're all cut from a, you know, a similar bowl of cloth in terms of, I think, some of our, um, you know, roots growing up, our work ethic. And I think, you know, um, that creates a, a team dynamic that's um, pretty powerful and, and frankly challenging to, challenging to build. And I think particularly when you think about a place like, like Interlock and where it sits and where our, you know, the reputation that our, our brand has and the place in history that our golf is, is our golf course has maintained for all these years. Um, it's just a, it's a group of, of Midwest people with um, big, big ideas and, and big work ethic. And that's led to some, some cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. Um, I was going to say, I would love like more, more conversations like these, I think are super useful for our members to hear. Um, you know, Joel, I know you talk a lot about like emotional intelligence and we've done stuff for the students. And, and I think a lot of what you talk about in those presentations, you can see here in your relationship with, with Brian. And, and I know your relationship with your staff as well. Like you talk about trust and communication, but like those pieces, you can't have them in the most effective way if you are not emotionally intelligent about what's going on in your own brain and how you communicate and how you trust. And um, I see that a lot in in this conversation um, playing out here. So it's good to know that you practice what you preach. <laughs> well, maybe so they're, they're better ones to interview than I am. Then you, you know if I'm full of it or not. <laughs> well, you know, and I think with that trust too, there's, there's times that maybe an idea is 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 tabled or there's other um other things at play that we have to go a different route or, or make a different decision however we're both upfront honest with each other and um we understand the rationale behind the decision even if it's not favorable to our our department or something along those lines we still maintain each other's respect. We still are on that same goal. And now we're just stepping forth, still trying to deliver the best member experience that we can for the members and guests at Interlock and Country Club. Well, I mean, and clearly. Diversity and thought, but like yeah. Brian, told, Brian says no, right, sometimes, or presents alternatives sometimes, or, you know, it goes, it goes both ways. And I think there's, there's a lot of, value in that right i mean i think it's easy early on in a relationship or if there's not trust in the relationship certainly like one side becomes the yes man right because they're constantly seeking that you know approval or they think their job's at risk or whatever it is and the ability to be able to be comfortable to brian's point and just you know um, say hey listen here's why i don't think that's gonna work that you know if anything makes our our relationship stronger and i feel like i've actually probably seen that you know, develop over the course of the last three, four years, we've worked together. Um, very different today than it than it was um, probably before. I mean, I think that speaks a lot to the culture that you 
you all have built at Interlochen too. I mean, it, an individual interpersonal relationship is one thing, but like if that same um, mindset is shared by you know your, the other members of your either your executive team or your whole staff, I mean that's huge. It's good to be able to work at a place where your voice is valued and you can disagree and not like you said, feel like your job's at risk or like you're going to get in trouble for saying actually. That's a yeah, I think that's idea. the next like that's the next layer, right? We right. we talk a ton about this at our kind of department manager, department head level, right? We all have those relationships with each other and believe that and feel that. Uh, you know, do the people that you know work in our the next ring around us and the next ring around them and the next ring around them all feel that same way? And I think every you know layer out, every, every, the further out you go, the harder that gets. And, and I found that to be even more challenging at a place like Interlock. And I used to say like at North Oaks, if, you know, to build those relationships with all of our team members and get them to understand, you know, my approach and Brian's approach, everybody else's approach to leadership, um, everything was within arm's length. And, and now when we swell the 350 team members in the season across a much bigger campus with a lot more departments, that's where your leadership's really tested. And that's, that's challenging. And we're not there. I know we're not I like to think we are. Um, I think we are with those closest to us, but it's a lot harder when you um, add to cross your entire team, but that's exactly how we want everybody to feel. Well, it, you're, it sounds like you guys are already laying the groundwork to make that happen. So, um, you know, maybe we can check in <laughs> there you go. another time down the road and see how it's all trickling down to the outer circles. <laughs> um, I mean, we could talk about workplace culture and stuff all day long. That's like my favorite thing to talk about. And I think we've done several podcasts on that. So obviously it's one of our favorite topics, but uh, thank you both for taking some time out of your day today to chat with us. Um, World Conference registration is now open and we encourage you to act, but before December 13th to take advantage of the best early rates available. We are so excited to be returning to our in-person format to maximize your networking, present stellar business and industry experts, and foster interactive forums for your biggest challenges. Together, we will build and further our industry. So check out registration and hotel options now at cmaa.org backslash conference. Another uh, upcoming deadline that we all want you to be aware of is um, the deadline for submitting your data to the Compensation and Benefits Survey. Um, our deadline, I'm going to say deadline, is this Friday, November 19th, uh, which is tomorrow as of our recording currently. But there's a rumor on the street is that that survey will stay open for you to submit your data for at least a week, if not two weeks more. So please, please, please take some time um, and log into cmaa-research.org uh, to complete the 2021 Compensation and Benefits Survey. Um, if you have any questions about the survey itself, uh, please contact Emilcar Davey here on staff. He would be happy to answer those questions for you. And as a participant, you will receive a complimentary copy of the industry report plus an individual club report, which, I mean, that's a lot of data for you to use, um, and it's a huge boon. So all you have to do is put your data in, and you get way more data out. Um, 
So please take some time and uh, submit your data to that survey as soon as possible. Uh, another announcement that I want to make sure we get in is that you this is your last chance to renew your membership for 2022. The membership year ended on October 31st. Uh, we are now into the 2022 membership year. So there's not any time to waste. If you haven't paid your renewals yet, please take time to do so. Um, you can do it easily online. You just need to be able to log into CMA's website to have your login credentials ready. And if you have um, any changes to your contact information, please make those at the time of your renewal as well so we can make sure that we are still getting you the um, information that you need on, in a timely fashion. If you have any questions about your renewals, please don't hesitate to contact us here at headquarters. We would be happy to help you. Is there anything else that we need to cover, Melissa? No, that about wraps it up for the month of November. It's been a busy, I feel like we've been, like we, we say this like every month for the last like two months, but it's true. The fall has been very busy <laughs> for us um, as we've been getting back into the swing of things with doing some in-person events and, and certainly planning for World Conference. Um, that's definitely taken top priority for at least the two of us. <laughs> All of our work happens ahead of time and behind the scenes. So, you know, we've been, we've been working hard to, uh, to start the wheels rolling on what was ho will hopefully be a really incredible return to in-person um, for World Conference. We're very excited, I think, to get to get back to seeing everyone. And it's been busy. We're busy. <laughs> you know, Kyle and I just want to extend our Thanksgiving to all of our listeners on behalf of our entire CMA staff. We hope that you and your family your personal family and your club family have an amazing Thanksgiving. I know so many of our members will be working on Thanksgiving and serving their members. Uh, we hope each one of you gets an opportunity to take time to step away and enjoy some, uh, your own Thanksgiving in whatever way works for you. Absolutely. We're very grateful to our members and our listeners um, and our CMAA community. It's been it's buoyed us over the last, you know, nearly two years through this pandemic, certainly. Um, but, you know, we're, we're happy to still be here and, and still be chatting with you all and sharing these updates. And, um, yeah, we're just really grateful. I'm really grateful for you, Melissa. And I'm grateful for you, Kyle. Oh. And if you're a grateful listener, we'd appreciate if you would rank and review our podcast Please do. on your platform of choice. We would love uh, for you to share with other folks. The Let's Talk Club Management is an official product of the Club Management Association of America and certainly a project that we all enjoy. Indeed, indeed. Well, that does wrap us up for November. We, we look forward to chatting with you all again in December. I'm sure we'll be bringing you more important updates about things to come. And until then, I'm Kyle, and that's Melissa, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Take care. Be well.